0: Today I sit down with Aaron Zahn of Home Guru. With over 25 years running service-based businesses and over 15 years of experience building cabinetry, furniture, decks and fences, Aaron brings a solid business foundation to Home Guru to ensure that budgets are adhered to and client expectations are met or exceeded. Now for my conversation with Aaron Zahn. Hey Aaron, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, give everyone some context. Who are you? What's the company and where are you guys located?
1: Okay. So my name is Aaron Zahn. I'm co-owner of HomeGuru. We're located in Toronto, Ontario and up in Canada. I think our, well, my journey began probably 25 years ago when I was, I wanted to make some furniture. So I ended up working with a cabinet maker who who kind of taught me everything. And I did that for free on the side. I was in the music business at the time. And so I spent probably 10 years just learning how to make things. And when it was time to leave the music business, I decided I was going to do, I was going to open a kitchen company. Hmm. So that's what I did. And then what year was that? I'm sorry.
0: What year was that?
1: That was around 2012. Okay. And then I was picking up my, one of my kids at his friend's house and I bumped into his father who was in the smart home automation business. And I was telling him about my new kitchen business. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. I'd love to be in the kitchen business. We should have a beer. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But anyway, we had a beer and we put our two companies together. We did smart home automation for a while and I was doing kitchens. We we decided we were going to brand smart kitchens. And what happened was people started saying, oh, can you you put in floors? Can you take out this wall? Can you do lighting? So we decided to rebrand the company as Home Guru. That was in 2014. Fifteen, And we went and got our contractor's licenses and we've been ripping apart homes ever since.
0: Right on. Yeah. That's that's so funny. Just one casual conversation and then it turns into what you got going on today. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I'm curious, what did that first year look like when you guys said like, yeah, let's do this thing? It
1: was interesting for sure. I mean, we really, we didn't know a whole lot about, I mean, we'd both rented our own homes and we'd you know, we're pretty handy, but we we didn't know the depth of what we were getting into. I, I, think, I think if we did, we probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but we ended up hiring some really good tradespeople and learning from them. And the business has gone through several sort of iterations until we got to where we are today, which is in a great place. But it started off as the two of us doing most of the work and bringing in skilled trades as we needed them. That led to us hiring people on staff. And we ended up with about eight, eight people who were really good at different things. And that became a bit of a nightmare because, I mean, we literally had fistfights on site some days with, between the guys. And like, I, just, I, I would get these phone calls like, you know... And just craziness. And <laughs> so we decided, okay, this wasn't working. And we just and then Covid hit. So that's we kind of used that as we started letting people go. And we decided to become more of a project management company. So we hired instead of hiring laborers, we hired site supervisors. And so now there's four of us. We're actually in the middle of looking for a fifth. And that's what we do now. We just we still swing a hammer once in a while, but really we we outsource most of the work. And it's so much smoother and so much easier, and we have a great software system, so it tracks everything. And and yeah, life has just gotten exponentially better in the last few years. So <laughs> that's
0: good. Yeah. Well, you got to tell me about the fist fights. Like, what? How did how did we go from people working on the job site to, to fist
1: fight? I don't know. You know, I, I you get a couple of hotheads, right? And and they're both on site, and they both want to be in control. And I, I don't know. I wasn't there. I just I get the call. You know. This guy, you know, threw down his tool belt and put up his fist and like, I you know, I diffused it and he went and sent him home. And it's like, and now I'm pissed off. So I'm going home. So I'm sitting here with no work getting done on site, wondering what the heck happened. And yeah, you know, just <laughs> yeah, personalities clashing, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Well, it yeah. sounds like when you guys started this journey, you said, Hey, let's get into business together. I'm curious, did you go 50-50 partnership? And then how did you guys decide like? Who's doing operation or like kind of divvying up the big core functions of the business?
1: Good question. So yeah, Justin and I are 50-50 just because I go into everything kind of open and with the best of intentions. And so that's how we did that. And I mean, we got really, I think, really, really lucky, mostly because we're both, you know, decent, honest people. But also we have a different, very different skill set. Justin is really bit of a genius when it comes to troubleshooting. He's really good on site. He's, he's, he's great with, you know, we do a lot of work in older homes here in Toronto. Some contractors really shy away from that because they're afraid of what they're going to find. And, and we find some pretty weird, pretty weird <laughs> stuff. You know, people over the last hundred years who've done DIY jobs and, you know, cut out pieces of structural walls and whatnot. And, So, you you run into a lot of structural issues, things like asbestos, mold, whatever. So, we kind of ended up specializing in that only because other contractors didn't want to do that. But Justin's really great at that kind of stuff. I have a background, I'm an MBA, so I have more of a business background. So, after we started getting busier, you know, the paperwork kept piling up and I got tired of working 15, 16 hours a day. So, we hired somebody to basically take over my my on-site duties and i spend probably 75% of my time in the office now so i do all the the ordering of the finishings with the clients i walk them through you know tile flooring all that stuff and i do all the accounting and marketing so i'm really the running the business itself whereas he's mostly running the job sites and, and keeping an eye on the site supers and all that stuff. So it just it just worked out well. I think if we had the same skill sets, we'd be butting heads. But this yeah. way it works and we have mutual respect for each other. So we just let each other do our thing. And so far, so good.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. My, my uncles ran their business the same way. They had a custom homes remodeling company out in the Seattle market. And yeah, one of them, it was like Operations in terms of like job sites and running production, and then the other one ran you know marketing, sales, and kind of the the back office stuff. And that seems to be a good division of labor. If you do have people that have the skill sets centered around that, it's like hey, I'll bring in the work, and then you you crush it and you go execute it, make the clients happy, and
1: <laughs> absolutely. To, so that's you have cool. to have both. So if you you know if you don't, you got to hire it out. So we just kind of got lucky that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, you said you've gone through several iterations in the business, you know, from where you first started to where you are now. What do you think was the biggest one or the most impactful like iteration that you guys had to go through?
1: I don't know if it was really biggest or smallest other than just really it was really just growing pains. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't quite know where to go, and so we just kind of did what we thought would work. And we kind of went with the flow until we hit those brick walls and realized this is either not working or it's working with way too much effort. We're not efficient. So that's when we, what we did is we, we forced ourselves to take a retreat once a year, usually around around Christmas time when things slowed down a bit. And we would go away for a couple of days and just, just sit there and have a couple of beers and, and talk about what we were doing and where we were going to go with it, which I think is also very helpful. And, uh, you know, one year we said, oh, let's do this. And we tried it. And a couple years later, we got together again. And said, yeah, that, that didn't work out so well. What are we going to do now? At one point, we actually tried to bring another contractor, smaller contractor into our business and make them a partner. And so, you know, the three of us were kind of fleshing things out and trying to decide where to go. And his input was, very, very helpful. He had a lot more experience than we did because he'd been around for longer, but he was much smaller. And so I thought that three of us together would have been great, but we just, we couldn't come to a a, a deal that made sense for him. So we pulled that apart, but it was, it was extremely valuable and kind of helped us to get over those humps. And that's sort of what led us on the path to, to being more project managers. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's good. Yeah, that sounds like well, from what you described earlier, that that was a good shift, and things are running a lot smoother now. So, yeah, that's
1: awesome. Yeah, I mean, for us, it made sense because this way we can we can scale our business. I mean, when you're when when you're strapping a tool belt to yourself all day long, you're limited by the number of hours in a day. This way, we can take on as many projects as we have site supers for, and we've you know allowed our business to expand beyond two guys in a truck kind of thing.
0: book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes. If you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to RemodelerMarketingBlueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I'm curious. What do you think the future looks like? You know, are you guys still trying to scale up or make different shifts? You know, over the next three to five years.
1: I don't think we're going to make so many shifts because what we found right now is not only does the business the business model work this way for us anyway, but we happen to have a phenomenal team, and we we've been through a few people to find the the personalities we were looking for. I find that there's a lot of people out there, a lot of guys who can do the work, but that's not enough. Like you, you need people who care, have respect, who are like Home Guru is based on customer service. I was never a fan of selling us as the guys who are going to do the best rental for you because I don't necessarily believe that to be true. You know, drywall is going to happen because we hire a drywall company. Tile is going to happen because I hire a really good tile guy. So I don't care about that. I don't. I mean. <laughs> I care about it, but I don't focus on it. I focus on the customer experience. So when you look at our marketing, you'll see that, you know, some of our clients have given us amazing reviews on places like House and Homestars. And, you know, they all kind of focus on the same thing, which was the experience. And it was like, oh, it was like so stress-free and this and that. So we said, oh, okay, let's do that. So we market ourselves as, you know, less stress renovations and that kind of stuff. And we really try to plan a lot before we demo. We try and cover all the bases. The software we use is very transparent. People see exactly what they're paying for. I think that helps. And we just treat our clients with a just a ton of respect and try to open their eyes and educate them. And we find that that works.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, you mentioned when you, if you knew what you were getting into when you started this business, you may not have gone down this path. But I'm curious, what do you think has been one of the most rewarding parts of going down this journey and starting the business?
1: So when I said that, it's it's just because you you know you don't really know what you don't know.
0: Oh well, yeah, know. No, I, I'm well
1: aware. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, you know, from a personal perspective, I love the fact that I have learned a crazy, crazy amount of things about. Renovations and building that I never would have been able to learn had I not been in this business. Obviously, I think just the fact that we started this company with nothing—like literally—we I think we invested collectively fourteen thousand dollars, and you know, just jumped into a truck, put our tools together that we had, you know, and just just went for it. And we have built a multi-million-dollar successful business in a short. You know, relatively short period of time. You know, we changed to Home Guru in 2015, so it's been seven and a half years, almost eight years. And then the reviews and the level of work, uh, like the you know the quality of the work, has improved. You know, just turning a an old dingy looking place into a beautiful place. I mean, there's nothing more rewarding than that. I love that.
0: Yeah. The and you're getting,
1: getting the feedback from the clients, you know, it just makes it all worthwhile. It makes you want to get up every day and do the same thing over again. So,
0: yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I find that there's always like a wacky client story or a weird project or something super unique. You know, everyone's got at least one or a few. Anything coming to mind that you can share with us?
1: Uh, I've had a few winners. I think now. Just as a bit of an aside before I get into that, we, when when people call us and ask us to come and quote a job, you know, they're looking. I, I tell people don't, don't shop on price. It, it makes no sense because I think the clients set the price more than we do with their finishings. But uh, they're shopping for a contractor. And at this stage, we're shopping for clients. I turn down way more jobs than we take on. And it's because if I if I think you're a little bit nutso in the quoting stage yeah, I don't know if I want to deal with that during the, you know, when you're doing a two, three, four hundred thousand dollar (laughs) renovation. For sure. But yeah, like, I think it really comes down to expectations. So some people expect, I I had one review where the person said, oh, she didn't like us because we were nickel and diming her. But the truth of the matter is, we quoted a job. And at the end of the job, she said, can you do this for us? And I would quote it, you know, that's $200. And can you paint this and can you change that door and, you know, whatever it is. And in 200 here and 400 there. So she said I was nickel and diming her, but she was changing the scope of the work on me. I mean, and her, you know, her argument was, well, you're here anyway. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm here anyway, but I'm not here for another three days. Like, <laughs> so when I say expectations, that's what it, you know, that's what I mean. So I've had a few people who are just, you know, unhappy for the wrong reasons, I guess. Crazy, like, Total craziness. I think we've managed to avoid most of it. I mean, there's there's crazy people out there. There's no question, but uh, you deal with it and we deal with it. I mean, at some point, I, I, at the end of the day, I'll just say, listen, if you, want us, if you want to get out of your contract and you want us to walk away, we'll do so at any time you want. And they're afraid at that point of being left mid-reno. And so they usually calm down and we try to talk them through it, but it's it's fine. We haven't had anything like earth shattering. There's never been a lawsuit. There's never been a, you know, bad debt or anything like that. We always we always try to work through it. So
0: yeah. Yeah. It does seem like that is at the core of it. It's just expectations almost every time, you know, because they've never maybe done it before, or definitely not as many times as you have. And so they don't know why it's a change order or what you know, they don't understand all the right. the business side of it. So
1: yeah. Plus, they're um, spending a ton of money. So That in itself is stressful and we're ripping apart their biggest asset. That can't be fun. (laughs) I mean, I get it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's an adventure for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you think is
0: something that like, you know, today that you wish you knew on day one that would have made a world of difference?
1: Oh my God. (laughs) What do I wish I knew today that I wish I knew Well, that's a tough question. I mean, it, there's there's a lot. I mean, I I probably would have approached this business completely differently if I if I'd known that, and not just from a not just from a work standpoint, but just structuring the whole business. I mean, mm-hmm. you latch onto somebody, a tradesperson, for example, because they're great, and then you use them over and over again. And I I'm a big big proponent of relationships. Like I take care of my trades like nobody else, and they they tell me that. Like they get paid within. 48 hours like I don't hold back because I know that if I take care of them they'll take care of me. Sadly that doesn't work with everybody cuz some people take advantage of you and and then I I move on but but having multiple trades in the same discipline very key you know knowing how to vet your trades knowing how to vet your clients you know when we started we were we were doing all of our paperwork really in, you know, Google spreadsheets and stuff. I would have started right away with sophisticated software even though it it was more expensive and it was it was hard to wrap my head around that monthly cost. But holy cow, it pays for itself in like seconds. Yeah. And it saves a ton of headaches and bad communication and all kinds of stuff. So so I would say for anybody starting out being organized in this business is Is got to be key because in any reno, there's 500 moving parts that you have to keep track of, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, it's probably tough to choose just one thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, the last few years, we've certainly seen several big challenges kind of hit the industry. What do you think is top of your mind, like one or two things that really collectively we need to be working on solving, you know, in terms of just like more macro challenges to the industry?
1: Yeah, so I mean the last few years have been exponentially harder because of COVID. So we got really slammed with some supply chain issues where you know we were waiting for literally you know 11 and a half months for a pot filler to show up so we could finish a job, appliances, that kind of stuff. But not just that, pricing. So we saw prices jump. I mean lumber is is definitely the the one to, everybody understands it went up 300% or something like that. And then of course, everybody in that business was making so much money. There was no incentive to lower the prices until they were forced to. So we went through this, this thing where mid reno we'd, you know, we'd get a quote, for example, from our, our spray foam guy for, for X amount of dollars. But then by the time we got to the stage of spray foam, it might've been 30 days later, his quote had expired and it went up 30%. We'd have to deal with that. Kind of, like those are the the hurdles. And yeah, that was hard. That was probably the biggest challenge we faced. And what we did, which, you know, arguably right or wrong, depending on how you look at it, is we'd, we we try to think like the customer. So we we actually absorbed, we, we took a hit on some of that stuff. I mean, we never lost money, but we certainly felt bad enough for people that we, we would reduce our margin on things like that and, and help them through. But now... straight up like the quotes are good for 30 days it's an estimate and to mitigate all of this we've we've moved from more of a quoting position to a cost plus position
0: Mm,
1: yeah it's more transparent for the client it certainly protects us and it's just all about communication that to me that was the biggest hurdle and and that's kind of how we got through it but it was it was pretty pretty nasty for about a year in there
0: yeah, for sure. And so do you, it sounds like you've kind of navigated to the cost plus to kind of solve that or mitigate that, I guess, over the next 12 months or so. Is there another big challenge or hurdle that you kind of see the industry either continuing to face or starting to, to crop up?
1: Yeah, the biggest challenge that I see starting now and I think is only going to get worse is talent, labor. Yeah. They're, it's really hard to find good people, and I think the good people are starting to recognize that and jack their prices up, which makes things unaffordable for a lot of clients. And overall, it's—I think—it's just going to hurt the industry in a, in a big way. I don't know what they're doing down in the states, but up here, they're really—they're advertising for people to go into the trades. You know, I have—I have three boys. I've got two of them moving into the trades just because it's a good way to make a living. And, uh, you know, you've got your independence if you want to work on your own or, or you know, you've got a cushion if you want to work for a larger company. But I think that going forward, at least for the next several years is going to be the biggest problem this industry has got. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It certainly feels that way. It's just, yeah, there's just this cliff of people retiring, you know, and moving out of the industry and not even close to that many coming in. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Well, Aaron, I guess as we we wrap up here, if you could leave other remodeling business owners, people listening to this, you know, with one piece of advice or some final words of wisdom, what do you want to leave everyone with?
1: Hardest thing I think I had to learn was to be able to set my boundaries. Another thing is, you know, we get we get leads literally every day that people want me to come out evenings, weekends, give me a quote here, do this there, and uh, you know, I just mentioned I have three boys. We have. Uh, I really appreciate and need my personal and my family time. So I tell people like, you know, these are my hours. And if that doesn't work for you, then I'm sorry, I guess I'm not the right contractor for you. And I find the more that I say no to people, the more they want me. Yep. Just kind of weird in and of itself. But if you don't set your boundaries, you're going to get swept away and you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out and you're going to burn out fast.
0: Yeah. Awesome advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I appreciate you spending the time with me today and sharing your story with us.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was great.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.